marriage is, in a way, one piece of paradise that we have left from the garden. Around the world, as promised, a remnant remains who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Remnant Podcast. All right, so this is possibly, if things go well, going to be our first posted episode for Remnant Podcast and for what me and you are doing, Couples Corner. And I have been thinking about this today, like what would we talk about? And if I don't, I've, I'm ahead of the game here because I'm hitting you with this totally off the cuff. Yeah, you have, I no, have no idea, idea. what I'm and, about to say. And you know my skill And I've had for... the, I've cheated. I've been able to think on this all day because if I don't change my mind, this is probably what I'll end up, this will be my sermon topic for sunday oh wow but you know there's this like popular thing uh popular video stuff about what is a woman yes what i've been thinking about is what is a marriage what is a marriage and i think it'd be cool if we could start out this because that's yeah. you know we subjects of marriage and different things people go through in a marriage and just a lot of stuff has been coming to my mind all day long but to put you on the spot you know, just as best you can. I'm so good on the spot anyway. Well, I'll, I'll put Plus in some talking points along the way that we can issue. hopefully dive a little bit deeper into this. But really, what is a marriage? Okay, so the first answer, I guess, that anybody would probably say is a union of two people where two become one. That's sort of like a... No, I think you're already ahead of the game. You think? I, yeah, I love the word union. Union is one of the words I was going to use. Uh, but I think you're here of the game. I think most people would start by just defining it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But it's so much more than the definition. I, honestly, I was thinking about it earlier. You can't really define it in a single sentence oh, and no, do it justice. Right. It really needs a paragraph or more. But... Yeah, it's depends more on than, who's talking. Yeah, me or well, you. I mean, I'm just—it's not—it's not really that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm—I might be a little bit more. For you, a paragraph is a big deal. I can deal. say a lot. <laughs> yeah, for me, a paragraph is—I'm just getting warmed up. Yeah. Well, okay, get warmed up. What is a marriage? It's a union. Two become one. Yeah. What else? Like, give me some—give me some thoughts on it. You know, I mean. Well, uh, my next thought would be, you know, um, that. In a lot of ways, like we've talked about before, that, uh, you know, at least the way I see it or picture it in my mind, I guess I should say, is that in a lot of ways, the Lord, when he looks at us, there's sometimes he's sort of looking at me through the lens of you, you know, like it's through you because, you know, like you've said, you carry sort of a different, a role, a different weight and, um, you know, my the way that I am obedient to the Lord sometimes is by, you know, being really obedient to you or submissive to you. And so if you are making decisions that aren't necessarily right, you know, um, the way you're obedient to the Lord is to sort of have that honed in, you know? And so I guess, I don't know, some people may not see it that way. (laughs) Well, that doesn't really matter. I mean, that, Obviously, that could be abused, and that, that's right. not what we're yeah. talking about. But that is, that is certainly part of part of a marriage, right. you know. So that's one thing that comes to my mind, and then another thing is um, sort of companionship for life. You know, having uh, having a your best friend. Your, I mean, really, 
the longer you're with someone, the more you realize what it means, you know, my other half. I mean, it's, you're incomplete without the other, really. I mean, you really are. You become one, and you probably realize it more and more as you, I guess, age or as long as, you know, the longer you're together. I don't know. Well, that that highlights another. I can tell I'm not of, hitting any no, of the points fine. that's on that's, your that's mind. Good, though. Oh, it's it's, on your I mind. mean, it's, you know, I hit you with it out of the blue. Yeah, that's, what's on my mind is a ton of things. We won't even be able to talk about everything that's on my mind right, right. now. I could probably go on about you know thirty minutes nonstop right now. Um, but I I actually just lost. What was the last thing you just said? Because I was actually going to say <laughs> something about it. Oh yeah, companionship. Listening. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was listening. Okay. I just was also thinking. And, um, some people might would say, "Well, you're describing the ideal." That you know, they would say, "Well, I don't have that," you know. And so there's a lot of aspects to marriage. But obviously the ideal is what everybody wants. But, like, well, some interesting things that are interesting to me about marriage. To really do it the Bible way. Now, when I say this, I'm not saying I have done this. And, you know, you would say the same thing. You probably haven't always been perfect i mean i think that you're perfect but to really do it the bible way um in a in a sense it's living your life for someone else for the one that you love and in another sense i mean the bible actually says these are some of the profound things that the bible says about marriage it actually says that your body is not your own Mm mm-hmm now that could be taken carnally, but it doesn't mean it that way. And in a in a in a lot of ways, that how far does the union go? It should reach body, soul, and spirit in a sense, or to the mind. I mean, obviously, we have two separate souls, and we always will. And in reality, we have two separate bodies, and we always will. And we have two separate minds, and we always will. And yet, the longer you've been married, the more one-minded you are. If if things are trending like they ought to, right? And there's a lot of things that we could probably bring up that really help that to happen. So, in a sense, a successful or good marriage is not an accident. It's not an accident. But in another sense, I mean, love really has an incredible power to do those things that self wouldn't do. But anyway, what I was thinking about is like, you know, we're better friends now than we've ever been. Mm-hmm. But we would have said, you know... 15 years ago that we were best friends but you know i think about our relationship a lot lately because you're you're a really good wife and in a lot of sense in a lot of ways you know i just spring things on you you know i like even kind of this podcast was something that just you know i was thinking you know eight weeks ago because <laughs> it's probably been about that long in the making or at least six weeks in the making but eight weeks ago we had no idea that we was going to be sitting here in our little studio thing doing a podcast together but you just you know you went with it and that's how you've always been but okay so some interesting things about marriage one it says your body is not your own but also adam at when eve was brought to adam he said, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, you know, I've, I've unpacked yeah. that before, but 
it's amazing to actually think about that. And and so when he says she was taken out of man, that's literally what he means. <laughs> she was taken out of him. And so in some sense, they were soulmates in a sense. Because God, when God made Adam, Eve was in Adam, so to speak. I'm not getting mystical here, but marriage does have a mystical sense to it. And here's the other thing. So then God follows that up with saying, Therefore shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And it's like she was taken out of man, and so there's two people here. But in a miraculous God way, he's saying, but we're going to reunite that to one flesh again. Because God is saying, they shall be one flesh. And he he does it through something called marriage. God is doing. it's Marriage is God's doing, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Mankind did not create marriage. We did not imagine marriage. We did not invent marriage. And even though... You know, most cultures, I think, the world over observe marriage, so to speak. They observe this um, monogamous bond for life between one man and one woman. Now, a lot of people obviously break that, and, you know, a lot of cultures may not have the right weight to it. But marriage was actually the last thing created. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, God made Adam and Eve. That You could say Eve was the last thing, but really after Eve was made, God instituted this thing that we call marriage. And now the reason that's interesting to me, and you can chime in with your thoughts at any time, is done rightly, marriage is one of the most holy things humanity can do. Mm-hmm. Marriage separates humanity from everything else in the universe. Angels don't even marry, much less animals. So really, mankind is the only thing in any dimension, you know, the heavenly realm or the earthly realm, any in any dimension that one could imagine, mankind is the only creation that God has gifted this thing that we call marriage. And it was before sin. It was before the fall. And so that's why I'm saying it's one of the most holy things. What I was thinking about, and we don't have to get into this for this podcast, but I keep losing my train of thought because I have so many thoughts coming to my mind. But um, marriage is, you can't put, you can't, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Sanctity or sacred? You can't sort of, you can't overemphasize. Yeah. Well, what it's, you, I was about to say, and I think it goes with what you're saying is, I mean, God even describes the relationship of himself to his people as a groom, you know, a mm-hmm. bride's... What is it? Well, he depicts... Christ is depicted the as bride and the, the groom, and the church is depicted as a bride right. in, in more than one place. They call him a bride... What is it? Bridegroom. Bridegroom. I couldn't yeah. think of it. <laughs> bridegroom. Yeah, uh, the bride and the bridegroom. And so, I mean, that's... For God to put the relationship with him and his people and... You know, in a reference of marriage that tells you how much he thinks of a marriage bond and a marriage covenant. Yes. So, yes, so marriage is a covenant. And there's more than, and Jesus himself gives parables of a marriage to teach of our relationship to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in the book of Revelation, there's de- depictions of the, the, Church being all believers of all time gathered together in heaven, depicted as a bride, and then it—it's also called the Lamb's wife. So there's this—it's a—it's 
I think, metaphorical language in a sense. But there is this, the future uniting of mankind with God is described as a great marriage supper. Right. And the all believers is described as wife, but it doesn't even just end there. Even when teaching about how to, you know, how to approach marriage or behave yourself in a marriage. Again, it's, you know, Christ uses his, his self in relation to the church and the church in relation to him. And so I just was thinking about it. Marriage was instituted before sin ever existed. Sin didn't exist. And yet marriage existed. So marriage is not something that we do because we live in a fallen world. No. Marriage is, in a way, one piece of paradise that we have left from the garden. The whole earth was cursed. The ground was cursed. And the man and the woman was punished, you know, in sorrow you'll bring forth. And, you know, he'll multiply your sorrow and your conception. And in the sweat of my brow, I'm going to, you know, eat all the days of my life. And so we have to work and all that. But marriage is a piece of paradise that we have if we approach it with the right respect and thoughtfulness. And, you know, because here's what I was thinking about today, too. And you can just tell me what you think about this. But I was thinking about some of the things people say that's terrible. They say stuff like, look, but don't touch. How, what do you think when I say that? Oh, that, no, that don't fly with That's me. That's terrible. It's <laughs> terrible, That's yeah. terrible advice, you know? Right. It, no. It, yeah, it, <laughs> it misses the whole point of so many things. Yeah, I mean, because the heart is the biggest issue of it all. And if it's in your heart, yeah, look, well, that's not really, you know, faithfulness or loyalty and... You know, and if you were on the other end, it'd be hurtful, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. so what I was thinking about is things that people do that chip away at this great thing that we have called marriage. So you can build to a marriage or you can chip away at it. Mm-hmm. And things that people say or do or think that causes over a long period of time their marriage to not be what they want. But it's like... What I hope to one day be able to, you know, maybe in a sermon or whatever, not on the podcast, but connect some dots for people. Mm-hmm. That if your marriage is not, go ahead. No, it's you're okay. just going to say something. Well, it reminds me. This is way back when you and I were dating, mm-hmm. or maybe early on married. I don't remember. It's been, but I remember, you know, that thing that was sort of a popular thing hall at pass. the time, the hall yeah. pass. Yeah, and it was sort of. Intended to be like this playful, you know, oh, yeah. like they, it, yeah. t- so far fetched. And basically, what it boiled down to is who's your favorite actress or who do you think is really pretty that's a famous person? You know, that's your hall pass, right? Well, it was more than just that. They was basically saying, like, oh, if I was ever given the chance to right. be this one person, my wife yes. and my husband would excuse me because yeah. it's my hall pass. But and it was like, like so far fetched that nobody actually thought, you know, well, yeah. Well, at least in my mind, nobody actually thought, yes, you actually get a hall pass. But so that's what I mean is like it was basically a a funny way of sort of saying, you know, this is who I think is really attractive or really whatever. But and you said back then you were like, that's just damaging to our relationship to even talk like that, because, you know. All it does is now when we're watching that movie that's got that person in it or maybe that singer singing a song or something, all I can think about is, you know, I wonder what he's thinking or, you know, is he like checking her out or is he wishing I look like that or, you know, comparing my... And now all of a sudden it's in my head that I'm not 
I'm not that person for you. You know, like mm-hmm. there's me, but then there's, you know, but if you could, you'd, mm-hmm. you know, even damage. though, yes, it's damage. just damage. Yeah. Uh, it's and that very was so unwise insightful and, to me know, at the time. The way they portrayed it, the hall pass thing, and it's kind of like a joking thing, but that's really what it makes me think of. And again, I don't want to, like, I'm not trying to get crunk up here, but the Bible says fools mock at sin or make a mockery right. of sin. They laugh at things that are sinful. And I know this much is true. Sin always will downplay itself. Yes, sin will always portray itself as it was just innocent fun. It was just, it was harmless. You know, come down off it, man. You know, we're just having fun. Well, sin always says that and does that. But right. yeah, the hall pass thing, the look but don't touch thing. And there's even other simple things that I, I thank God that I was actually taught against this stuff as a child. My grandfather, um, well, both grandfathers may have had a lot of things wrong, but, you know, they did give me some great values of a man, how he's supposed to treat a woman, and even higher than that, how he's supposed to treat his marriage and all that kind of stuff and how to be respectful. And one of the things I remember being told not to do, I mean, I was a kid. I I didn't even understand it then, but they was like, don't say stuff like, my old lady, they'll ball ball and and chain. chain. That's terrible. What a terrible, you know. It is okay. reference ball and chain, like that bind you. It's you know imp- it's a imprisoning. Terrible it's, it's a dead hold weight. You down. It's a, yeah, it's creating sores on me. I'm having to drag yes, it by my ankle. It's yeah, it's a prison thing. It's yes, right. and even now I know it's cultural, but it doesn't really make it right. Now we're not going to change the culture with a podcast like this. Mm-hmm. But if someone watches it, maybe they'll think about some of this stuff. The it even became popular to joke about going to a wedding as oh, it's a funeral. Yeah. I'm going to your funeral. Your yeah. life is ending, you know. Right. All of these things that are. And even like a bachelor party or a bachelorette party, it's like, get, you know, it's your last night of yeah, freedom. Yeah, it's like your last night of freedom. You're Wait a be. minute. You so know? go and do all kinds of crazy things <laughs> yeah. that you're probably going to end up regretting and doing. And you know, it's built up to be this big party celebration. Like, you know, this is your last night of fun. It's exactly the opposite, you yes. know, of what the truth of your you know marriage is i mean it's literally the opposite the, the best part's yet to come right and so this cultural i don't know the word but downplaying marriage making it less sacred less you know less of the the beautiful thing that it really is it has it has it has a lot of effects that we don't even think about and so you know how far you can go with this, I really don't know. But it seems to me that a lot of what we would call good conservative Christian people today, a lot of what we have a problem with in this country that we live in or in this world that we live in is, I'm not going to say it's the church's fault. It's not the church's fault. But when we, when you begin to kind of accept and talk in the way that the world does and when good followers of christ have their hall pass and they begin to talk that way the society itself is also losing its picture of marriage it's losing its long story short i mean i haven't really even said it the way i want to but what i'm getting at is even so like an unbeliever marriage is supposed to be a light it's supposed to be a light to the world and when they see us living like they do or communicating like they do are not really portraying and showing the world this sacred, beautiful, precious, priceless 
piece of paradise that we call marriage, when we begin to not view it that way, well, of course they're not going to, but what happens by proxy is that now teenagers don't think it's something worth saving yourself for. Mm-hmm. Now we could say, well, that's because there's a bunch of other sayings that goes with culture that are terrible, like you know, drive it before you buy it. You know, you know they want to, you know, basically sleep together before they're married and not even call it fornication or anything. You know, oh, it's just an experimental phase. But what I'm saying is, it's one. It's, so you want to go to a teenager and you want to say, hey, man, save yourself for marriage. First of all, that's the only Bible way. But you want to you want to be able to say it to them and them see a value in marriage that's worth saving themselves for is what I'm saying. But people don't see a value in marriage anymore, like for what it really is. They maybe see some kind of value, but nowadays it's they see it like well you know it makes economic sense, or it you know it's well I ain't got to worry about eating out anymore. She'll cook for me, or I ain't got to worry about cleaning my house, or I ain't got to worry about money or whatever. And so they see it as a lot of the peripheral benefits that come along with it, but not for what it really is. And another thing that I have noticed, I've seen a lot of people suggest it to their children. Um, I've even seen people where they were asked to uh, give some advice on what would you do different if you could go back and know what you know now. And their advice for what, you know, their younger selves or even their children is... um, I wouldn't have gotten married so young. I would have waited till I was in my mid thirties, you know, and, uh, that goes along with this. I've talked to you about this before where this is just really, I remember whenever I was younger, this was sort of the mantra that you always heard, have no regrets, you know, have no regrets. And that, what they meant when they said that, that was the theme of movies, that was the theme of sitcoms, that was the theme of just everything that was propaganda to my age group, you know, teenager, young 20s, that sort of a thing. Um, what they meant was do everything that you're given every opportunity to do. Because that's the only way to have no regrets. What, and what they're and really it's doing is piling up regrets. It's all it's doing is giving you a <laughs> list of regrets, yeah, you know, yeah. and... And so when somebody says, you know, well, I would have waited to get married till I was 30, again, that sort of gives this idea that I was held down once I got married or, you know, life was no longer about me and I should have had more me time. And, you know, it's just so far, it's such an empty way of looking at marriage. And that's what they're telling their children. And that's what young people are hearing, along with this idea that, you know, have no regrets, live life with no uh uh what's the word no conviction mm-hmm. no holding anything back uh, no mm-hmm. restraint is really it because and it's just so false like you said it's just piling on the yeah, regrets that's, yeah that's kind of what i'm saying is there, and there's a lot of different ways that it comes at us but there's a there's a lot of cultural attacks so to speak on marriage but kind of what i w- have been thinking about is what what better thing could Christian men and women do in today's time than to it's great to set about set your mind to restoring yourself to your first love, so to speak, of talking about of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh and to have an inner spiritual revival and all that kind of stuff. That's great, that's good. But what better could our country do than the people that are married, the believers, to say I'm going to 
do everything that I can in my life to make my marriage be the fullness of what God intended marriage to be because it's a gift. I mean, honestly, it's a gift. Like even back when the COVID stuff was going around and like everybody we knew got COVID there for a while, but everybody kind of got through it. And I was laying there like dying and, you know, just to have you by my side, it's, again, I was thinking earlier today about when Jesus sent the apostles out and it said, and he began to send them out and he sent them two by two, that to have someone with you through life, that's with you, that's on your side. You know, like even when we, or when you have had to go into surgery at the hospital or something and they're going to put you to sleep, it's like, I don't want to be there by myself, you know? So, you know, you're just, the ideal thing is, is I think that we could all have it, It, you know, but you have to begin to take the right steps and begin to think about marriage in the right way, you know? And even maybe people that have been together for a long time and they would say, well, our love just ain't what it once was. I'm not saying that, you know, everybody can just have this perfect world because I know there's a lot of tough cookies out there. But of all the things in your life on this side of eternity that's worth working on, that's a human thing, that God gave is marriage. Right. Now, of course, we want to be saved. You know, we want like we want to get that stuff right with the Lord. But I'm saying, other than that, like even putting career choices before marriage, what do you think about that? Right. Oh well, yeah. I think all things before nothing I mean, before marriage. Not, <laughs> no, <appreciate laughs> nothing that. before marriage. Yes, I think. I mean, if you you there's nothing on the planet that you can say, well, but if I had that, you know, even if my marriage wasn't great. But if I had that, life would be okay. That's just, there's just no thing. There is nothing. Right. And you could say if I didn't have much of anything in this life, but if I did have a good marriage, you'd still feel like you had everything. There's yeah. nothing more important than a good marriage. Well, so like, the reason I even brought that up is because another thing, I don't know if you remember, but early on in our marriage, we'd been married a year or two or maybe three. We sat down, we had conversations about this kind of stuff, and we didn't have near the understanding then that we have now. But we both agreed back then that if the answer was no or I'm afraid to because of what it might do to us or whatever, if one of us had reserve, the answer was no. Yeah. And because we had talked about, you know, where my career or whatever might take us, which honestly, I'm not, I, don't, I don't even know that you'd say I have a career. I've been self-employed for 21 years uh, and I've had we've had different companies and businesses and stuff like that. Small businesses. We've never like made it rich or nothing. But even back then, we was talking about if there's anything, any opportunity that may come my way that's going to come at a cost or potential cost to the marriage, the answer was don't do it. Like even if it's well, we're going to offer you this hundred fifty thousand dollar job, but you got to move, and maybe which you're not necessarily very close to your family. I mean, you're close to some of them, but we space wise, we're far away, and so this is not necessarily a good illustration for you and I. But if it was something that was going to take you away from your family, and maybe you was going to struggle with it or whatever, and it may put a burden on our marriage, I just mean, and I will say that sort of it's not really. It'll come across as though it's the counter to that, but it's not. It's just really to show the fullness of the of what's supposed to be, I think, you know, the love there. Because there was also a time that we went through some things that we can get into another time. But you were really wanting to go this direction, and I was really worried about it. And just so unsettled, but basically with the Lord's help, you know, I was able to say, 
sort of put those things to the side and say, listen, if this is where you want to go, then we'll go and Mm -hmm. I'm with you. And so there's also that aspect of, you know, you don't just say nonchalantly or without real heavy weight to it. Well, you know, my answer for this is no. You say that very cautiously because mm-hmm. you don't you don't jump to that and just say, well, one of us said the answer's no, so you're just supposed to fold. You know, mm-hmm. you don't say no unless you just no, really can't. No, the no can't. cannot be a selfish no. Yes. It cannot, or it doesn't work. It's a worrisome no for our marriage maybe or something like that, but it can't just be, well, no, I don't want you to, and so you shouldn't. It, yeah. That's not the kind of no we're talking about. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. That's not the kind of no we're talking about. It wasn't. Yeah, it can't be. A, it has to be in consideration of the marriage and the other. Because you know you can, you can be like no, and the other person feels like, well, man, this is an this is an irrational no, and you're robbing us of some good that we can have. And so you have to have communication. But at the end of the day, when you know, I think it would be good. That's all I'm saying. For people christians to have a renewed understanding and respect and see the beauty is really all i'm trying to get at i'm not even like trying to be preachy about it but to just stop and remember this great gift that Mm -hmm. we have and if you'll do everything first of all to just see it for the true beauty that it is in a way one of the best things we can do to turn this culture around is Sure, I'm against LGBTQP whatevers, okay? The alphabet soup group. Right. I'm against all of that. Right. And one way is to just launch about everybody out there with a loudspeaker and say, if y'all don't repent and get saved, you're going to hell. That's one approach, is to go around and tell everybody how disgusting and wrong it is. But I tell you, probably an equally effective or more effective approach would be to give them something that they wish they had that they don't, to show them something that's like, okay. Because you can't get this outside of You can, right. this. Yeah, that's <laughs> you right. You know, you really yes. can't. Not to mention there's things that that camera will never show, that we like, like our family life, the fact that we have mm-hmm. nine children, our whole history, our future, our eternity, being there in death, you know, so many things, being there in sickness and in health and all the things that the yeah. vows, that, you know, for rich or for poor, there's things that the camera will never be able to capture and I'll never be able to put into words. But if the world could look at Christian married couples and see, man, they are one and they are madly in love. And that's what I really want. That's that's what I really want. I want someone who loves me more than their own self. I want someone who's faithful. I want someone who wants to be with me for life. I want to have that relationship, that dynamic. I want the family, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying one of the great ways to minister to this kind of lost generation is actually just get ourselves right, the church and stuff, you know what I mean? Because this is, again, I'm, I'm going on with something, but me and Alan was talking about something the other day about this LGBTQ stuff, and I just told him, I said, you know, well, really, whenever Christian people started watching TV shows where there was a lot of fornication and adultery going on, they wasn't complaining about all that back then. But one thing led to another, you know what I'm saying? And so now it's like if we're not going to stand up against... Well, adultery is just as bad in a lot of ways as the LGBT stuff. Okay, I'm not saying completely, but 
when we allowed that stuff to enter our homes and nobody really stood up for it, well, what do you think was going to come in the next generation? You've lost the sanctity of an intimate relationship along with the marriage and all that kind of stuff. So I rambled on with it. You want to say anything to bring us back to ground zero? Well, this ain't going to bring us back to ground zero, and who knows how much of this will you know, edit out so that we can be in a normal time. But I do have a question for you because uh, you've said before how, you know, and it is, marriage is an institution that is really Christian. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. Christian thing. It comes from God, from mm-hmm. the Bible, from the Christian Bible. And so my question is, why do all cultures that are not Christian partake in marriage you know like well my answer would be a couple of reasons one reason i think is that it's easy for us to to have a view of history that's inaccurate and what i do know for sure is that we'll say at least 99 percent of the world has heard of has heard of jesus christ has probably even heard the gospel Maybe today that number is waning because there's a lot less missionaries and all this kind of stuff. But the impact of missionaries cannot be overstated. It's easy for us to look at it 2,000 years. This so you message, think it's like tradition that they – and mimicry almost? like they're. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, yes, they have took part of the Christian teaching and appreciated it and adopted that into their culture in a lot of ways. There's a lot of Christian – pieces and cultures that wasn't probably there 4,500 years ago when Noah got off of the ark and the, you know, the world started over or whatever. You can actually examine a culture and they have some practices and stuff that you would say, hey, that's, that's, that's biblical or that's Christian or whatever. And I imagine if you could go back and really see in history at what point did they adopt that. Missions, missionaries have had a tremendous effect on planet Earth. I mean, it's amazing. You can look at People always imagine these islands where people have never been discovered and stuff. You know, there's people even, but that's not really the case. And so all I'm saying is, so so that's number one. Number two, I think it's in the heart of man. In one sense and not the right sense necessarily. Sin is also in the heart of man. But to be sinned against is not. It hurts. And so... Love, the ability to fall in love, also is a gift. God gave mankind the gift to be able to fully experience love. And so what I'm saying is this. You meet someone, and y'all are friends, guy and a girl, 21 years old, each. They naturally actually begin to care about each other. It just happens. And whether you want to look at love as something that was sown and grown or whatever, but love begins to set in. We don't, you don't. You can't force that, you know, necessarily. But it's a, it happens. It's, it's a gift given to mankind, and two people begin to fall in love. Now, one of the people may choose a route of sin or whatever, but it ends up hurting the one that's left behind, you know, and they're like, that was terrible. And in their mind, immediately, they're like, I want someone that will spend their life with me. And so I'm saying because true love exists and because we are created in, in God's image and because the law of God is in the, in the consciousness of man, I mean, man, all cultures have absolute morality. And so if nothing else, I'm saying by the experience of the pain of the loss, it teaches them that's not right. You know you see what I'm saying? It's not right. 
and they don't they, and they say to themselves i don't ever want to do anybody the way i was done and so it's in it's in the heart of man to actually do it the right way but sin is also in the heart of man and so you know they run into all kinds of problems sort of like worship worship is in the worship heart of is man. in the heart of man every single human being that has ever been born ever worships right. something Right. And even in the book of Ecclesiastes, in the King James Version, it's it's worded this way, that God hath placed the world in the heart of man. But the actual meaning there in the underlying Hebrew word is eternity. Or I have heard the most literal way to translate it would be the vanishing, like this infinity, eternity, everlasting, that God has placed this stuff in the heart of man. And so man instinctively knows he has to train himself to not believe there's an afterlife. Like he just right. he believes it. Yeah. And and even hopes. And even hopes. He for even it. hopes he's wrong. And the proof in a of lot that. Of ways. I, don't, I mean, I don't need any proof. The all the whole human race is the proof. Right. Every you know, think of all the religions that have come about by dealing with this natural understanding of there is an afterlife, there is a judgment or whatever. Well, the same I think to an extent with marriage. Like I said. They may carry it out wrong or not see it for what it is, like worship, but marriage. That's what worship, I'm saying. They the understand it at least on the most basic level. Because it's that, in us. Huh? Because it's in us. Because it's in us, and what, they may learn the value of it through pain. That's what I mean. Right. On the most basic level, they may not learn the value of it through the imagery of the relationship of God and man and all this kind of stuff. They may not learn it from the perspective of, oh, well, she was taken out of man and Adam said, you know, she's bone of my bone. They may not learn all that, but they do learn that through the hurt that's caused from the brokenness of something like that, that they're like, I don't want that. And so I think well, I, I use this term evolves in a very different way than evolution but it would it's something that's going to come naturally to man because it's in man to have that and to want that. Right. So Yeah. Makes anyway, sense. Anyway, yeah. That was a long rant. <laughs> well, you've been thinking on it all day and a, you're planning to preach yeah, about and, it. And honestly, so. we didn't even touch Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And I probably won't be able to get to all of it Sunday. Right. Uh, cuz there was a lot of different things We that may I had make said, this a part 1 and a part 2. Yeah, and we could yeah, I, you can figure out where to slice it in there. <laughs> But long story short, my summary, and and then I'll leave you with the closeout, whatever you want to say, but my summary is that ultimately marriage is something more beautiful than I think our even our current Christian world right now is getting that message out. We need to get that message out through living it, showing it, yeah. teaching it. The message that marriage is not it's a powerful. weight. Just it's powerful. You're it's living absol- it. It's right. powerful. Yeah, living it is so powerful. Right. I mean... Yeah, you you if you you can say a lot of things, but people judge your actions so much more. And for you know, like we talk about this sometimes too. It's one thing to preach Christ; that's great. But if you can show them the joy of Christ too, that has an equal effect because they're like, "That's what I want." That guy's at peace; he's happy, right? You know. And so, show them the joy of marriage, show them the sanctity of marriage, and make it be something that this future generation. We'll look at it and be like, let's go back to that. Right. Let's let's find that. Let's get what they have, you know, because it's God certainly blesses marriage, but He does not bless relationships outside of marriage. Right. I'm talking about, you know, of course, friendships. I'm not talking about that, but intimate relationships in any way, or really even this is something else we've got away from too. But I really am done. You know, a guy and a girl living together. Even if they're not sleeping together, it doesn't it doesn't bode well. It yeah. creates a lot of problems. So anyway, yeah. Show the culture the beauty of marriage again. 
make it part of your life goal. All right, close this out with all, all of All right, our, well, with this being our inaugural podcast, yeah. let me explain this real fast. Forever. We've got... <laughs> We've got a idea bowl, and so you'll be seeing some episodes where we may not come to the table with an idea, but rather we're just going to pick something out of here, and that be what we talk about. So if you guys have any ideas that you'd like to see us talk about, feel free to leave a comment, or you can get a hold of us through the website, uh, remnantpodcast.net, and there's uh, a link on there for WhatsApp. You can direct directly chat with us or... Get, get a hold of us through the email. Yes, and our intention is to try and direct most of the traffic through the website, not for any monetary gains. We don't make anything just for you going through the website. But because we live in an age of censorship, and some of what I just said yeah. even will not be received very well by some people, and I have seen many good people now be taken off of YouTube. Right. Because of that, we're just trying to kind of build it from the ground up in the right place. Now, that being said, we do want to load the audio to the different podcast things, you know, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Audible. And an audible or whatever but we're also going to be loading videos probably through youtube and odyssey and mm-hmm. maybe even another one i don't know but we want to give people as much access to it and then also just a little plug is if you're watching if you're going to be watching this stuff get odyssey because you can turn your phone off and stick it in your pocket and it keeps playing i love that I love it. Every time somebody talks to you I, I about love Odyssey. It because, I mean, YouTube, you got to pay for that. <laughs> right. And, and if you don't, you got to leave the screen on. It is drain very your convenient. It's, it's super convenient. Yeah. You can hit play on a video, turn the phone off, stick it in your pocket. Right. Drive down the road, listen to it or whatever. Saves battery life. Yeah. I, so I, I do like that a lot. You should be like a salesman for Odyssey somehow. Yeah. Well, I, I don't even. A I mean, rep. A representative. I, hopefully they're a good company. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm just saying I like their tech, you right, know. Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, all so right. we're going to get it out all, through all that. And so it's remnantpodcast.net. That's us. And is that that's going to be up and going by the time we get this inaugural video uploaded. That's the, that's the plan. Okay. All right. Good you, talk. Yeah, good talk. <laughs> <laughs>